Hola amiga, it's so good to have you here on Ignite with Jess Soto Ramirez. Yes, that is me, your business empowerment coach. I am on a mission to help you see yourself in someone else's story. So this podcast is here to illuminate the path to your potential through the stories of other women in business just like you. Hello and welcome back to the Ignite podcast. I'm your host, Jess Soto Ramirez. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I have got, oh, one of the most beautiful women that I have come across in my life. Like, oh, I just feel this like <laughs> sensation to choke up even saying it. Um, I have the beautiful Dr. Sasha Kowalenko with me and we had the most gorgeous encounter when we first met face to face. And um, I'm sure we'll tap into that at some point today. But mm-hmm. hello, Sasha. Hello, Jess. It's such a privilege and a long time coming to be with you and, and be with your audience. So thank you so much for having me. And as you know, the feelings run very deep and are very mutual <laughs> between <laughs> my feelings for you and our <laughs> short relationship. But the intensity of that has been very is very special to me. And it's like this long-distance relationship, isn't it? <laughs> It's like, I wish I had more of Sasha in my life, you know, and distance and, you know, whatnot in between and just life in general. But um, it's just been so lovely to cross paths with you. Um, So thank you for joining me here today. I'm going to kick off with the first question, which is the one we kick off for everybody. Tell me about yourself, Sasha, without telling me your titles. It's mm, a good question, Jess. <laughs> I must admit, when I saw that one, it, it did it did stump me a little bit. So that's I'm sure you probably hear that a lot Absolutely. of the time. Absolutely, such you... a common response mm-hmm. uh, when I got asked that the same first time as well. I was like, Ugh, like, what do I say to that? You know, because yes. your automatic is to say, well, I'm a mother of blah blah, yes. and I have this and I do this, but that yes. doesn't really describe who we are, does it? Yes. So I'm still a bit stumped <laughs> without those things. Isn't that interesting? And, again, not unusual. Um, yeah, so who am I other than the things that you've already led with, which, like you, I'm a mother and I'm a doctor of psychology, just to clarify for the, for the introduction. Um, but I guess I what I did think about with this question was what is important to me, I guess, what defines me is, um, you know, like for all of us, but I'm really strong on these in terms of my values, which land around um, connection, impact and having adventure in my life. So I think that's probably what defines me, who I am and, you know, much of my life, my adult life has been has, has fallen around those key values but then when I look back through my childhood, I can see the links of where those things emerged in terms of my early experiences. Um, mm. Yeah, am I answering your question, Jess? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was going to ask, how do you see those things coming through in your life like now, the connection, the adventure, and you said one more? Uh, impact, impact. Impact, yeah. Yeah, Um well, I probably should lead with the impact one because I've been, I think about this a lot. I know that you do as well in terms of values and living life um, in alignment with our values and how important that is to our well-being. Um, but, the, you know, the impact one, I think it probably runs through then to everything else. I guess I, you know, I'd like to leave this earthside experience having had an impact in the world in in, in some shape or form. And, yes, we can do that through our work. 
but I feel, and, and my work is very, I hope, very impactful in, in being a psychologist and, and doing that work directly, you know, in close connection with people and therein comes the next one. But I think um, what I would hope to have the most impact on is through my connection with others, whether that be at work or like the connection that we've formed, the small little connections that I have every day with people I don't know either, you know, when you're walking the dog or exercising and you say hello, Um that that's how those things play out in my everyday life. The adventure one's been a really specific one for this year. And that was, um, that's mm-hmm. one that I realised, and I'm sure many of your listeners and community will feel the same when you are a mother. Sometimes you might have had that sort of quite adventurous aspect to you before motherhood. <laughs> and it can get a little bit mm-hmm. lost, particularly in the early years of, of motherhood. So I define that one um that was, I guess, yeah, it really came when I was thinking about at the start of this, this calendar year, thinking about what I wanted to focus on and reconnecting with that aspect. And, again, not that doesn't mean big, grand trips overseas, although I'm pleased to say I've got one of those happening this year. Woo-hoo! But just <laughs> having that orientation to how can I just, you know, lean into more joy, more fun, doing things. It might even just be going in a different taking a different pathway to drop the kids to school rather than always going the same old route. And, again, it might sound really simple and small, but for me that's how to answer your question. That's how I bring those things into my life every day. I think we really align in that adventure side that, um, you know, there's that idea that I think becoming a parent, you, you lose a bit of that sight of adventure. Or I even think that as I get older and probably, like, I... I get a little bit more cautious and I get a little bit more careful and it's something I'm constantly battling against because I'm like, no, I still want to have that adventurous spirit, you know. Yes. I still want to yes. do yes. all the fun things and I still want to have, you know, um, experiences that really yeah. impact my life. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, as much as you're saying, you know, it's simple as, you know, walking a different path or going, you know, taking the kids to school on a different, you know, taking a new road or whatever it might be, those are the ways that we start to bring that, you know, kind of dabble Mm. with that adventure to then bring in more of that adventure. Because if we're not opening ourselves to it in a little way, how are we going to open ourselves to it in a bigger way? That's right. And I I like what the word that you just added on to the end of that, that clarification of adventurous spirit, that really captures it for me, Jess. Like it's as opposed to maybe just, you know, adventure as such but having I I I think that's where we're connected to in having that adventurous spirit and wanting to have unique and interesting experiences in life and not just you know life for those big ones where you do go on an overseas holiday or you do go on a road trip or whatever but how you can still you know bring that stuff into the everyday as well Yeah. yeah and because you know I don't know, there's this idea of like, oh, we're always waiting for that special moment, that yeah. special day, whether it be, I don't know, the the special day to wear the new undies or the, yes. <laughs> the yes. special day to go on the holiday or the special day to wear that beautiful perfume. Yeah. Um, and it's that reality of uh, I think I had this conversation with my mum not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, mum, every day is a special day, you know, and so mm-hmm. we have to bring all those special things to our day-to-day because, mm-hmm. 
you know, tomorrow's not promised to anyone, not exactly. wanting to get, you know, morbid or anything like that. But no. at the end of the day, it's a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this idea of bringing that adventure into our day-to-day life because then our kids mm-hmm. see that and mm-hmm. because then it just becomes part of your life. It doesn't become something you're waiting to get to. Yes. Or you have to work <laughs> in a particular way or, in a, you know, work really hard in, or, in order to be able to justify having that reward which is obviously a huge you know social conditioning and norm that we're all exposed to to different degrees in our Australian culture for sure I just had a thought come to me I remember seeing one of your posts um where your daughter had commented um to say something along the Mm. lines to you of like oh mom I didn't know you were this fun or something along those lines can you tell me a bit about that because I feel like that taps into that adventurous spirit that you have I should look that up to get her exact words because they were quite memorable I'll just quickly scan it wasn't that that long ago here we go what did she say oh crazy cool mum I didn't know you crazy could be crazy cool, cool mum. <laughs> so that was my my newly 11-year-old <laughs> girl <laughs> when we'd had a bit of a, a dance party at home and um, but a dance party listening to more to my music and, and think, you know, um, artists and yeah. bands that had influenced me and uh, so, you know, not just the stuff that the kids are into, which is great. Like, I, you know, it's great to do that as well. So we were, and I was obviously because it was more my music, I was more engaged and connected and in flow and all of those things. And yeah, it was it was a one of those bittersweet moment moments of oh gosh, <laughs> where have I been and what I've been doing? And I'm not I'm not beating myself up for that because I do think there's an aspect of that for a lot of women and a lot of mums that just goes with the territory. I've got um, four kids. I had four kids in six years, so it was you know continues to be but those years were really really intense and to be honest a lot of the time in sort of survival mode in terms of just making sure everyone else is surviving and then and then everyone you know myself on top of that so no judgment yeah. of myself or of others it's just again acknowledging that's the territory but I'm sort of coming out of the woods of that a little bit my youngest is just turned four so there's just that greater capacity to connect into those parts of myself again like I just the thought of having four kids in six years my brain just goes like you know well, it still does head. too to be honest <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't deliberately planned that way in any way <laughs> but I'm incredibly like blessed to have that opportunity it just makes me think what a just I don't know what a what a fighter you are and what like because I know you on such a different level as well like I know you've got four kids and you know and all within the six-year age gap right but you also run your business and you also live your life like I just have this level of admiration because um I don't know because of, of what you're creating because of what you're building because of what you how you interact, how you connect with your people, how you bring other people into your world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that doesn't just, you know, pop up and happen like, ta-da, like, you know, fairy dust in the air. I'm sure that takes a lot of work, but I guess that's why I respect it and admire it so much more because I know how much goes into that. 
Thank you, Jess. That makes me feel very teary as well. That's a, a, a beautiful reflection, and I think it's like for all of us when you're in when you're in the thick of it, or when you're just doing things, you know, you, you just do it and don't really see from the outside or looking in. Um, and I appreciate, I guess, that acknowledgement because yes, my it, it's not easy, and I think that's something that I'm really passionate about in general, with any communication with, with people in general, but particularly women and mums that are working, mums that are trying to grow businesses as well, is being um, authentic about the challenge of that, uh, I'm not even going to say balance, you know, trying to make all of those, juggle all those balls. It's mm. not easy, but I think we have to, and I think it's really important that we're honest about those struggles because I feel like if we're not, then a lot of other women looking in, and I know I've had this observation to me and, and I know we've connected over similar posts and, and obviously just discussions about that idea of being a super mom or that you've somehow got some extraordinary powers to be able to do these sorts of things or why can't I do that? And so I think it's really important to be truthful about, A, what support that you might get to enable things to happen. Um, but be that it's not all, you know, like you said, fairy dust either in rainbows and unicorns. It think things yeah. can be hard. Yeah. There's really so much more to it. And I guess part of this podcast was mm -hmm. to showcase that, you know, yeah. um, to be a, because I remember stepping into business like early on and just feeling like everybody had it sorted out. Everybody knew what to do. Everybody knew how to market their business. Everybody was making killer sales. Um, you know, everybody had huge followings and I quickly learned and, you know, as I went through, I quickly learned that that's just not the case, right? The moment you start connecting on a different level with yeah. other women in business, you start to realise actually they struggle as much as you do and, you know, they've got this similar uh, situations that surround them or, you know, um, hurdles that they have to get past as well. And I think it's so important, just like you do with the mothers that you work with, you know, uh, building businesses and working and and um, building their families up, I think it's just so important as well in the business space that we yes. do acknowledge the fact that, you know what, it's fucking hard sometimes. And some days I feel, you know, energetic as anything. And other days I'm like really taking deep breaths just to like, okay, so what's my next best yes. thing to do? So, yes. um, you know, I love that you just bring that as well because even on a, you know, on a personal mother-to-mother -mother level, well, we have life that happens outside of that as well, you know, yes. outside of this business. Yes. Um, and I, I know that's something... Yeah, go on. No, I was just thinking about that. I've written some notes and it might form some piece of content at some point, but how we um, distinguish our personal life, like our family life, personal life, uh, business life, work life. And, yes, you know, of course there are those components, but ultimately it's all life. <laughs> and so mm. I've just been thinking about that idea of, separating things out yes there is a, there's a purpose at times but also I think particularly when you're in business and you're in business in the space that we are in the entrepreneurial space in the digital mm -hmm. online space particularly as well that layer where you are um, your product as well exactly then yeah. you can't uh I don't know if I've even got the right words around this Jess I'm really sort of thinking I haven't I haven't yarned this through with anyone so thank you for giving me the space Ooh, to talk it thank through. you for sharing but, the juices with yes. us. 
it, it's, you know, it's that idea of particularly, um, and not to say this doesn't happen when you're an employee, and I've been an employee for, very, for the majority of my working life as well, but I think when you're an employee, there is that, well, obviously there's that separation, the greater separation between work and the rest of life. Whereas yeah. when you're um, self-employed or you know, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, uh, you, you know, into some respect, then there's a lot great, you know, obviously all the advantages come with that. That's why we're in this space. I think you and I connected in that same way. And because of the impact that we can have through this, you know, mode of working and being and connecting with the world. Um but it, it it just means that you know we don't get sick pay <laughs> if you if you feel like if you if you're not feeling well that all you know leave provisions all those sort of things and I think um, sorry I lost my train of thought a little bit there as to what the what I was trying to say but just I guess that guess it's yes that distinction is is very blurred and I think therefore that means for us as um, female entrepreneurs we need to be so obviously kind and compassionate with ourselves but so careful in looking mm. after ourselves so that we can keep showing up in the way yeah. that we need to for our business because we can't always just press pause. And I'm a very big no, advocate for pressing pause, you know, that and for rest and, and all the things. But the mm. reality is that um, sometimes, you, particularly when you're you know, a primary income earner as well, is you've, you've got to make commitments when everything else can, you know, on those days where, like you said, you feel like <laughs> what, you know, you don't feel like doing any of it. Exactly. And I, um, one of the things that I have observed about you, and I know you share very openly, I'm losing my train of thought now, but let me bring it back, um, is it's escaped me. <laughs> That's that's me um, catching because I was doing it. It's too many things running through our minds at the same time. Um, oh god. Okay, it'll come back to me. Yes. It's not coming to me right now, but it will come back to me. Um, but yes, I think that whole idea of um, okay, I think it was about the self care. Yeah, about mm. really putting priority on us taking care of ourselves. And I know that's something that you advocate and you share and you you know inspire people to do that with their lives because you have this view <clears throat> excuse me you have this view about how when we care for ourselves um, at a deeper level then other things fall into place but then it also means that we can reduce um, I guess the consequences of perhaps not taking care yes. of ourselves, which could be the anxiety, the depression, the mental health side of things. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, I very much can. And I find myself having this conversation every day without fail. And if I could, um, I guess, put as a reference around what I'm going to say next, Jess, in this whole conversation around self-care, which I'm not a huge fan of that word because I think it's, sort of associated with, you know, bubble baths and lighting candles yeah. and I'm not talking about, not that those things aren't valid, but it's much, like you said, deeper than that. Yeah. But as a clinical psychologist, the and, and, and with a specialty or a focus on women, women, children and families, but particularly working women, women in the perinatal period, the vast majority, and of course I'm just generalising, there's always exceptions, but the vast majority in my experience of women when they come to me in a clinical sense, so they've 
been to their GP, they've had a referral under a mental health care plan, that's sort of the pathway here in Australia, where they've met certain criteria for, you know, challenges in their mood, anxious um, symptoms, as you said, stress and overwhelm, that's where I'm meeting them. So they're sort of, you know, they're at the edge of the cliff to have that sort of metaphor in mind, or they might have even gone over the edge in terms of feeling really, really overwhelmed and struggling with everyday life. The vast majority of those women, well, certainly for all people that I work with, it's so we start with the basics of mm. what we need on a human biological level in order to, to survive. I'm just talking about survival at this point as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's around, and I have a really, this is not mine, it's something that I've learned across many years, an acronym which I find super helpful, which is NESTS, um, N-E-S-T-S. And it just tries to capture those, those basics of nutrition, and I add in hydration there, exercise mm-hmm. and movement for the E, um, sleep or end or rest for the next S. I hope I've got my spelling right. Yep. <laughs> uh, time alone, time with others, depending on what you need, and then support. So mm-hmm. they're the sort of, at, at a minimum, they're the things that we need to be attending to in order to just almost do good enough in every day, in my mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the vast majority of women that I see clinically, when we start to just just run through those things, they're they're all being neglected. To be honest, Mm -hmm. like, you know, most women will be neglecting those things. So we're starting from Mm -hmm. how can we build into sort of eating, not even necessarily eating more nutritiously, but eating regularly, (laughs) drinking enough water, moving yeah. your body no, I'm not talking about you know going and doing a class or signing up to a six-week boot, ch- uh, boot camp or anything like that just it might just be just um doing some stretches uh yeah. starting from just doing walk something around the block. yeah really simple things yeah. so um that I think I hope I'm answering your question there Jess is that just how important that is for basic functioning but for women and again I'm sure your audience um, so many mothers will identify with this we are I think there is somewhat of a biological you know tendency and and evolutionary for 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 mothers to put our needs uh, below our kids but then that Mm. is very much reinforced to our detriment socially and culturally so mm. that it becomes the norm that, you know, women make jokes about the fact that they're eating scraps off their kids' plates, that's all they've eaten for the day and a tonne of coffee. Um, mm. Or, you know, coming back to the undies one that you said earlier that you're still wearing, <laughs> you know, maternity clothing and your eldest child is 10, for example. Mm. And I've been I've been part, you know, at times I've been complicit in those sort of, sort of jokes as well before it really clicked to me just how detrimental those things ultimately are, that idea that we as women and particularly mothers should be self-sacrificing and should be giving over our needs to everybody else's. And, yes, there's a time and a place early, you know, when we've got little kids, there is an aspect of that that is inevitable with caring for a newborn. But I think it can become just a pattern and then you can wake up at, you know, 40, 50 years and realise, um, A, not feeling very good within your mental health, maybe not feeling really good in your physical health and, and well-being as well and feeling like, well, you know, where's the last 20-odd years of my life gone? <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah. And I feel like what you said there about um, it becomes a habit, right? So, yes, there's different seasons in our life where perhaps our babies demand more of us out, you know, that, that happens, right? That's just part of the seasons. But I do believe that we can very easily just get stuck in that. Yes. And until we bring a level of self-awareness and we bring a level of like, hang on a second, like actually giving ourselves space and time and grace to look within rather than constantly just be looking on the outside and caring for everybody else. Because like you said, that is something that is like, it's almost it's, it's almost glorified. Yeah, you know? Yes, that's but the word the, for it. Yeah. Yeah, if you yeah. are the the one doing all of those things, and I can totally identify to that in 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 the ways of, um, I, I guess life in general, but particularly within my own family of yes. like, okay, they get this, they get that. Like, it's so easy for me to just go, yeah, I'll go buy them, yeah. you know, brand new undies. Talking about undies, whereas for me, I'll be like, oh, oh mm. should I get them this week? Oh, yes. maybe another, week, you know. And it's just so natural to second yes. guess that when it comes yes. for me. Whereas for them, I didn't even think twice. And as much as it doesn't seem like much, but the truth is that that comes from something so much deeper of how we're just living life and getting used to living life in that way. So I love that you're bringing that kind of awareness to that, but also challenging people in a way to go, hang on a second, you're like your most basic needs are not being attended to, you know, food, water, where we are just dismissing that like as if it's a funny thing and I love that example that you used about you know eating the scraps off your kids plates because it's so relatable right and it's um I just think we need to start tapping into those things otherwise there's the flow-on effect and I know this is a big thing for you as well of what are your children observing and what are they then uh, what assumptions are they making or, you know, conclusions that they're coming up with about what you need to be like as a mother or as a woman, anything like that. It doesn't matter whether you've got sons or daughters, they're all creating their ideas based around like a lot of yes. how we live, right? Exactly. I mean, that's that's intergenerational patterns and that's life, you know, that's how <laughs> we move through yeah. from generation to generation. And I know we've talked about this before, Jess, and share this in common, but I often to help me with that, to take action in those moments. And I'm and like I, I like I said, I can I can clearly articulate and zoom out of all of this stuff and talk about it in this way. But that doesn't mean that I don't get caught up in um almost sort of that, you know, automatic sort of programming and thoughts. Some people might say unconsciously, sort of again, that that one around buying undies or just even buying anything for yourself as opposed to yeah. your kids. You, you go and spend $200 at Target on your kids and, you know, some winter wardrobe, whatever. Um, yeah. But then you might want to, again, buy, buy $30 worth of stuff for yourself and you'll be really debating yeah. or buying the cheapest stuff that you can. Not always, but, yeah. but, you know, I know that that's a common conversation. Is I... So it's what what can help me in those moments is, um, again, not all the time, but certainly I try and think about this at least on a weekly basis is zoom out and think about the women particularly that have come before us, like, for example, mm. my grandmothers, my mother, um, but particularly my grandmothers, great-grandmothers before me on both sides and the things that they have endured and struggled and the traumas that, that they've experienced in order really clearly within my family lines to have a better life, to have their their kids to have a better life. And I'm sure they were thinking of their grandkids and future generations. And by a better life, they didn't mean they I guess I sort of think they don't want us to be living in impoverished 
struggle street life mm. either. So I think it we need to honour. That's an, an, I guess another reframe of how we can honour our ancestors but also then honour the future generations is how we take care of ourselves. I love that reframe. Um, just recently, actually, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that particular idea of what our ancestors or what my you know our families have gone through for us to get to where we are so I guess I think about it in terms of you know I was born in Colombia in South America and um, my mum came here when we were very young and my mum decided to stay here my parents separated my dad went back my mum stayed here with two kids as a single mum and nobody else here so like no family no friends no nothing it was just her and her two young kids and um and I often think about the struggles that she has gone through to get us somewhere and that's always been a strength for me of like she didn't make all that fucking sacrifice so that I could just wake my life waste my life right she didn't do all of that so -hmm. that I could just then keep living a life that she was trying to pull us away from you know one of the big questions I ask her is like why did you not go back to Colombia like everyone was over there Mm -hmm. like and she was like because there was no future for you guys there Mm -hmm. and so that is a very clear answer to me of why she stayed here and Mm -hmm. why she went through all the sacrifice and the the challenges that she went through here so that her children and her descendants you know her grandchildren and now she's a great grandmother so it's just this beautiful like full family of you know from from her coming here that we now all have the the blessing and the freedom and the the option to even be here and it's such a privileged choice because she made that sacrifice so um, I love that you've brought that up and it's been something that just keeps popping into my life. So mm-hmm. thank you for just affirming that when you're talking about it, it just brought chills through my yes. body because it's like, it's so true. Like we're constantly thinking about us, but what about the people that have done the things so yeah. that we could start from here and not from where they were at? Yes. And I think equally just so we're often, and I talk a lot about this. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying a bit bit contradictory in a way because I'm very big on intergenerational change and a lot of my work historically has been with parents and kids and working on that level to improve relationships because we know that that's the thing that really optimises outcomes for kids, their their relationship Mm. with the early, in their early years. And that undoubtedly that's important, but I think sometimes then as mums we can get so caught up in that what are, mm. and, and it can create a lot of anxiety. Certainly I see that a lot clinically of mums that are trying so hard and dads as well, but my my, my main focus is mums, trying so hard to do right, do the right thing by their kids and optimise their development. But in mm. turn, they're then sacrificing their own basic needs as we've just talked through or they're not living, and it comes probably full circle to our very start of the conversation, they're not living life for themselves um, mm. and in, in terms of, you know, even sort of more, um, I guess when I was thinking like we can go back to the values piece, but they're, it's even more foundational or fundamental than that, their emphasis, their thoughts all about on the future. Mm. And so that's why I, thought, I find for me it's also thinking about honouring the past and our ancestors and what they want for us as an individual now too. It's not just about the future generations. Yeah, absolutely. And just bringing that intention back to the here and now 
and yeah. how we're creating life right here, right now. Yeah. Um, yes. Because yeah. yeah, yeah, I can totally, I can totally see what you're saying there, and just bringing that intention to this day, you know, to this moment, because that is also going to affect the tomorrow, essentially. Yes. yes. Right? Yeah. It's all connected ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, just I just meant to say too, and it's a slight tangent, but again, it's all connected. Of that idea of for women, our mothers. Um, particularly working or in business, but particularly I think, I mean, all all aspects of career, but I think in the entrepreneurial space, which by definition, I believe the definition is, you know, being creative, being innovative, thinking outside the box, um, having to problem solve because you possibly don't have a big team around you, so a lot of it falls to you. So all of that sort of work is take it is requires the very evolved high order brain functions which we call in our mm-hmm. prefrontal cortex it's the last sort of you know the piece really that sets us apart from many other beings on on on, on earth so at a minimum if we're wanting to be you know really um it's not even about success or outcomes but to give our best to optimally thrive as entrepreneurs female entrepreneurs, we need to be in a state where that's where we can draw on that state of mind or that brain function. And if we're not attending to those basics, I can tell you without a doubt it's just biology that mm. that part of your brain isn't, you'll be able to push through. And I see so many women, and this is the part that also fires me up because I think mm-hmm. imagine what impact we can have if we're all actually firing to our capacity because look mm. what we're able to do when we're... Mm. I don't, I don't yeah. know, I'm just guessing at percentages. I don't, I'm not even going to, sorry, put a percentage on it, but I know so many women neglect all those basics. So if we could do that and then literally that means our brains are going to be optimised for performance in whatever realm, as a mother, as a partner, in your family, but, you know, specifically in that entrepreneurial space, I think mm. like even talking about it, Jess, it really fires me up and I get goosebumps because I think that's... Mm if we can unlock that as a collective, then some of the really challenging things that we face in our world on a big picture Mm. and that Mm. we know our kids are going to have to face, I Mm. think that's, I really believe, I'm not even going to say think, I really believe that's where we can have the greatest impact and where change would be possible. And the ripple effect is just something we will never see to the extent. Mm. And I think of the power of that ripple effect when we really do, you know, optimise ourselves to be able to be the best version of ourselves. I can imagine the power of that. Yes. And, like, this goes on to another tangent, but my mind goes to thinking, like, society doesn't set us up for that for a good reason yeah Yeah. (laughs) because there's almost this fear or there's this unknown of what could happen if we really started to step into that space yeah and it's so easy for us to continue living in this life of like I'll just accept this and I'll just put up with this and I'll just continue to do this and because um you know 
it's not encouraged for us to challenge that. It's not encouraged for us to think outside. It's not encouraged for us to challenge boundaries or to challenge our thoughts. We're told just to stay in the safe zone, stay in the safe zone. So the moment we go to step out of that, that feels very unsafe. But the fucking impact that we could have when we really allowed ourselves to go there is huge. And it's not just the impact for you in your day-to-day. It's the impact of everything around you as well. And so I totally align with what you're saying because it's like, oh, like my tummy, I can just feel it. Like there's so much, it's that power for me. It's like that power that sits within us. And I know that power has this really kind of negative kind of Mm -hmm. connotations work, but I don't mean it in that way at all. It's literally the power that we have to make choices and to be able to shift things in our life and create something different for ourselves because we're made for that. We're made for that. We've just been told otherwise. We've been conditioned to believe otherwise. And many of us are just believing that and putting up with that and just, you know, living on struggle street. Yeah, and I think like it to the point that you said, Jess, because so much of the world, the functioning of the world day to day is dependent on women and is dependent on these structures because we're the, you know, primary caregivers in, in all sense, you know, if you look at education and early childhood, um, any health care, age care, it's all mm-hmm. very... All those caring roles. All those paid caring roles and then there's all the unpaid caring uh-huh. work as well. So if that, if we, you know, disrupt that, I guess, to some degree, I, I, again, I know we're getting quite deep and... Um, <laughs> That's okay. I don't know what the word is. Not it's more than deep, but you know, challenging, I guess, of, of what the bigger picture and, and the forces at play, dare I say, in the mm-hmm. world. But a lot of the, you know, just subjectively, a lot of the world it relies on women's, particularly both paid and the un- or certainly underpaid paid labor. Mm-hmm. And then um, the unpaid labor that we do at home as well. And I think, and I know that we share this in common, and I'm pretty sure pretty much all the mums that are in the entrepreneurial space will probably endorse this to some degree or another but I think I know for me entering into business in in the short term initially I guess in terms of what prompted me was I could see particularly once I had my fourth child which is when I went into business for myself I started my first business is it was untenable like to to maintain a salaried position um, in the position that I was in and the demands of that position and the childcare responsibilities that had fallen to me as well. I couldn't see. I mean, yes, I, could, I would, have, of course, made it work. And so many women, so many women make, make it work. Yeah. But this is sort of what I was saying earlier. It might look like they're making things work, but beneath mm. the surface, behind closed doors, that's not the case. And, and even their partners or their family might not even realise just what a load um, is is required to you know show up to a nine to five job which is not never a nine to five job day in day out with the the two bookends of getting kids ready out the door the pick up and all the things in the evening yeah it's you know it's so much so I think um, and there's two threads that are coming to my mind from this point Jess is that not to say that entrepreneurial life is immediately easy and it's what comes to what you said earlier. I think that's been my, my major learning and, and probably will, that I often share with 
anyone that will want to listen or that's in this place that, um, <laughs> that where this is relevant to if you're thinking about going into business or in your you're in your early stages of business growth is honestly just hang in there and keep mm. going mm-hmm. that we only see a, a fraction online or outside of uh, what has led to people's success mm. and I think that's what really what defines whether you get to where you want to go or some version of that is just keeping on showing up and going at your pace that's been my major learning over the last few years and just having to I don't even really like this whether I'm going to say it, pivot but like what I meant by that is I started with a bricks and mortar face-to-face business and thinking mm. that that was going to be the sort of solution to my want for an easier life for myself and my kids so I could be the woman mother partner that I wanted to be but it wasn't so then I went again that's where I've sort of gone more into the online digital space but even through that I've been trying many things over you know many years and I know I'll get there because others have got there before me that are no different to me so and but my time frame again with my just with the demands of you know my personal life and my kids is I I can't you know give all (laughs) which is a frustration I can't do all the things I can't action all the ideas in the time frame that I want and then you see other people zip along and think oh you know you can get sort of a bit frustrated with that yeah so that's when again I just notice those thoughts pull myself back zoom zoom out of my life and my context of my life and that enables me to be more compassionate and Mm. empathic to myself and then just Mm. keep keep going (laughs) yeah and I think at some point you also for yourself you need to sort of remove yourself a little bit from what you're looking at like if if it's if if that feels toxic of you're constantly seeing success stories, yeah. you know, and you feel like that's really affecting you, you need to sort of, I think, draw yourself out of that and really redefine what you're doing and how you're doing things. Yes. Um, because I remember with my first business, that was one of the things I got to a point where I was like, just, you know, you you, you try to do a bit of everything. And yeah. and then I got to a point where I started thinking, you know what, like, like none of this is actually working for me I actually don't necessarily agree with it but I'm doing it because I feel like it's the thing that we should be doing um and then it was the moment that I actually pulled myself away from that and just redefined what do I want out of this and how can I make this work for me and my circumstance and where I'm at that's the time that things started to shift for me Mm. um and maybe not even in terms of like the business, but on a personal yeah. level of allowing myself that space to explore something different, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, and not follow the the trends or what the latest thing is or, oh, everybody's doing this, so let's give that a go. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important to also remember that in business that you don't yeah. have to be doing what everybody else is doing and you have to really just come back to yourself and, like you say, zoom mm-hmm. out yeah. um, and really think, okay, where am I at? What do I need? What am I going to do from here yeah. forward? Yeah. And I think sort of like a little piece of that more um, personally for me as I've sort of stepped more into the online space and away from, you know, clinical psychology in the traditional sense, which um, I know that, you know, in in some conversations that I've had with people close to me that there was a bit of, um, you know, disbelief about why you would do that. Like why mm. would you give up? give up stable this sort job. of stable job or stay very stable sort of income paths in doing you know there's a lot of um 
you know, there's a lot of opportunity that in a very sort of easy way, if that makes sense, that sounds terrible, but our pathways with referrals and so forth, it's fairly easy to create something and, and, and to sustain something, unfortunately, because of the, the demand for mental health services mm. across the world, but particularly in, um, in, in Australia. So I think I resonate with what you said then too of, of knowing what it is you want and you might have trained in a particular profession or started a business in in particular space but if it's not working for you and that's why that values idea is important and those values can change over or do change over time Mm. and why it's important to check back in on that stuff and ultimately check back in on ourselves that's the lead to know if something's not maybe we're not in the right space or doing the thing that's that we actually I'm going to say almost need to be doing. Yeah, yeah. In terms of our needs and our wants and our desires. Mm, mm. Yeah, definitely. And and I like that you've put that spin on it because I think it can happen over any industry. Yeah. Um, so let me just recap and rewind a little bit. You started business. Um you started business when after you had your fourth child. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, why, <laughs> right? Because you're telling us now about how people are like, why would you be leaving your, you know, stable as such job or, you know, where things are easy? Why did you do that? Um, yeah, really just for those reasons that I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, well, it was, it was too, it was, there was a number of aspects to it, but, and I think this is a common thing, particularly for, women that have come, I'm not from a corporate, but it's, it's a health service corporate environment. Mm. It's probably not that much different to more traditional corporate environments as well of um, many women where you go on maternity leave and you come back into, you know, a part-time role, which I was very fortunate to be able to do throughout my that period of time of having my kids. Um, but always in those part-time roles, I was generally working a full-time position, either in hours or in responsibility. And I always felt, particularly as the more kids that I had going back into the same sort of space, that I wasn't doing justice to that role either. So I wasn't showing up as I wanted to as an employee was one thing in with the, mm. with the constraints of what I could physically work. Um, and then the flip side of that, so I felt like I wasn't doing a really good job as an employee and I certainly didn't feel like I was doing a good job as a mother. And, mm. and, and, I'm, and, and in the sense that, again, this is about what's important to you but um, and what your values are, but what how I wanted to be as a mother and how I wanted to be able to show up for my kids. Mm. So it was largely around that of saying, well, how can I have greater um you know, flexibility essentially and freedom in my everyday to not just because what this has been my other learning as my some of the span of my kids is four to ten, so the eldest is in later years of primary school. Yes, some of the physical load of from moving out of babies, um, I know that you know this as well, Jess, but into the uh, particularly primary preteen, and I'm sure it's I'm going to say the same thing when I head, head into <laughs> teen years. The physical demand might be a little easier. You know, kids are easier to get to sleep and they can do a lot of stuff for themselves. But the it, the demand around school stuff, you know, um, the different events to go to, keeping track of all the things they've got to do, supporting them with their learning and mo- most importantly supporting with their social-emotional yes. development, the load there is really is no different 
I believe. It isn't. It's just actually it's probably yeah. It's probably even a bit greater, I think. And I think for our preteens, the world that they are encountering um, in terms of technology and social media and all the things. So sorry, that's a long way of saying. I guess I entered into business in the first instance to looking for greater flexibility and freedom. And I tried, and not I tried, I was successful in that. And and but it but it the model that I had then. In my first business, the Silver Lining Collective, it it equally had its limitations for what I was looking for in terms of that freedom and flexibility and yeah. living in alignment with my values. So that meant again, sort of changing things up. And is again, that when you started heading into the digital space? Yeah. 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 And also also, and I think particularly for the for women in maybe your audience that are in the, the digital online space and maybe like myself have come from a health service background or an education background. I sort of had dabbled in that even when I was doing, um, you know, more more face-to-face client work mm. in terms of trying to um, have, you know, greater impact through through social media and through connecting in those forms. So that, that basis was there. So I, I guess I sort of entered into that not really knowing what I was going to, you know, what there was no real intention with any of it. But as I entered into that space, I could see the potential in terms of both impact and and that's the other thing that I find in clinical practice these conversations the conversation we're having now it's not unique and that was that was a real that continues to be a frustration for me I'm having the same conversations and it's not with individuals that I'm frustrated but the the reason that so many women struggle is because of all those social and, and cultural expectations now and from from generations past um, mm. and, and educating on just these, you know, same things around basic looking after yourself. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like in the online digital space I have greater capacity to share that message and reach women before they get to the point of the cliff, as I used that analogy before. Yeah, yeah. But they're nowhere even near that, that they are doing what they need to do to optimise their life. And then, as you said, their kids are learning from that. Mm. And that's how we'll shift things. So sorry, yeah. I went I went around about then, but I just wanted yeah. to reinforce. That's why I started. It mm. didn't give it me exactly what I was thinking it would in the first instance. So then I entered more into the digital online space. Um, yeah, yeah. And then there's been multiple evolutions within that space. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure there will be to come as well. Absolutely. We're, like we're always growing and evolving. Yeah. I know that, um, you know, for the past you know, a few years or so that you've, going back to what you mentioned about we have our business life, we have our personal life, but essentially it all comes back down to life. I know you've had some challenges going through this. What, like, how have you kept yourself going? How have you kept yourself, you know, not only are you serving other people at such a high capacity, right, but you're also serving your children and you're also trying to serve yourself and your business and, you know, life in general. How do you make that work, Sasha? Like how did you do that for you? I really want to know yeah. what you did for yourself. Um, I'll, I'll just speak to this quickly because I know I've talked a lot about it so far, but I am really diligent about that, you know, idea of nests. I'm really diligent yeah. and committed to um you know, I don't always tick all of those boxes every day to the level that, that you know, I need potentially, but I'm very mindful um, and, and, and I guess what comes from that, I have to be quite organised and planned in terms of scheduling in, you know, meal prepping, for example, because that is important to me. I 
Um, there's a lot. This is another point of how I how I get through things. I outsource a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do a lot of things. I don't do it all by myself. I have amazing family support in both parenting my kids, but in you know other sort of more day to day functions as well. I have um, other childcare support that I that I you know outsource. Um, uh, you know, all, lots of stuff in that sort of realm. So I'm, I really want to be very transparent about that. Mm-hmm. And and that has that's been a work in progress too in letting things go because I I think that's a challenge for a lot of women too. And it's back to that idea I should be able to do all this stuff. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. we can't. It's actually beyond. I can keep my house nice. And we were talking about washing before off, off air. I said that's one I've outsourced now. The pile behind and me, yes. <laughs> yes, we can let go of our expectations, but it's also about if you want things in a certain way and you can't do it yourself, getting others to support you if you if you if you can make that happen. Mm. Um, so that's probably the so what did I say? So yeah, I'm really diligent about, you know, sort of I spoke, sorry, what I was gonna say, but in terms of outsourcing, you know, um the food that I eat and the kids eat is an important thing to me and I like doing that so I don't outsource that one so much so it's about again what's important to you letting all the other shit go and focus on what's important (laughs) to you so I'm really diligent about those basics but at the same time um I'm I cut myself slack as well so if I'm feeling crappy I will use that nest as a check-in okay well where how am I landing there okay it makes sense that I feel crappy because I the kids and I have had McDonald's for the last two nights for dinner and I haven't moved my body for a couple of days. Of course I'm going to feel crappy rather than starting to make it some big thing and it helps me then to get get back on course. Um, but I think probably what help has, and, and, and maybe it's this sort of idea of things that I've, I take for granted or are implicit in what I do that I don't realise are really so helpful and you'd hope that that what I'm going to say next a psychologist would say, but I, I think is I am very, very, very conscious and diligent about the power of my thoughts mm. in impacting everything, how I feel and therefore what I do and the mm-hmm. cycles that can come with that. And I've also been thinking about this metaphor a lot lately um, that what I think I do that maybe has been incredibly helpful to me is I work my mind in the same way that I work my body from a movement and exercise perspective. I have um, explicit practices that I engage in, um, in a, like, you know, what? like in terms of reflect, basically reflection time, yeah, um, morning and night. And because, again, this stuff is things that I've done, you know, that I've learnt and evolved my process over time, so a lot of the time I don't always need pen and paper or quiet time in order to do that. Those things definitely help. But, again, with my lifestyle, I don't always have those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I try and do those. Um, I try and get up before the kids and have space for those sort of thoughts for myself, but often it doesn't happen. So I'm always, this is another thing I think of how I um, make things work, is I'm always prepared to maximise an opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to sit with myself, think about what I'm feeling, think about what I'm thinking thinking about where those thoughts have come from and then what does that mean for what I need to maybe work on going forward like what thoughts am I getting stuck in that aren't serving me that aren't helpful such a beautiful level of self-awareness 
and and it can sound like a bit neurotic and I have that tendency as well to go to but <laughs> it's a balancing act because I think many of us take for granted or don't even take it's not take granted it's not the right um expression we just don't realize how much what's going on in our mind is actually impacting how we engage with the world and others and I think it goes back to that whole what we were talking about um about how it's easy to fall in those patterns and we yeah. sometimes don't even realize that we fell into those patterns say in early motherhood of yeah. eating the scraps or you know not <clears throat> not updating our undie drawer it's the sort of same sort of thing I think with our thoughts we can get so used to thinking the same thing um yeah. and until we bring intention to them and awareness to them well they're not going to change are they yes yes and the word that you said just again from a clinical perspective it's so important is and so hard, so hard is awareness, mm. is bringing awareness to what it is you're doing. And, and you know, there's various ways that you can do that. But ultimately, I think the main one is being, is starting to be aware of your body, like the signals that your body tells you that something's not feeling right. And that can yeah. be basic down to hunger signals to, for me, I get, you know, when I'm something's not feeling right, a feeling I get in my stomach. Or as we've talked about today, when things are feeling really good and aligned and we get, that really fire in our belly feeling or goosebumps, using mm. that as a cue. So we use this positively and I guess negatively, we're looking at the you know unhelpful things mm. to build awareness. What's going through my mind? What am I thinking about? What am I getting caught in in a good way or yeah. in a not so good way? Yeah. But awareness yeah. is the you know that's what we've got to start with <laughs> building awareness. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's and and sometimes there can be that awareness, but I think sometimes there can be a lot of judgment that comes with it. Yes. Of judging on ourselves, like, oh, yeah. here I am thinking that stupid thing again, or I'm such an idiot, or whatever yes. that is. Like, and so yes, you've got this awareness, but then there's awareness that like what do you do with that awareness essentially? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, if you just sit there with that awareness and that judgment where well, you're just going to keep going around like, yeah. you know, you're in the washing machine essentially. And I, and I would probably say just that it's probably not then true awareness and, and maybe just to go again a bit deeper on that. So I think building, it's about building awareness. So understanding, okay, catching yourself, what's happening here, then th- mm-hmm. and that use that um, idea again of zooming out. What is this yeah. about potentially? You know, if, yeah. you, if you do find yourself in a very similar loops on, on similar themes of, you know, that I should or I or, or I or not I didn't do that good enough or I'm not worthy of doing that, thinking about where the origins of that might have come from. For some people, you do need to go to that depth to be able to break some of those yeah. cycles and understand why you're vulnerable to getting caught in that. Mm. Irrespective of that, though, is to acknowledge, okay, that, okay, I'm having those thoughts and they are just a thought and this at this point in time can help you disengage from them and then start to think that I guess really simply that idea, is this helpful to me thinking about this? Even if it is true, is it actually helpful? <laughs> Most yeah. of the time it won't be yeah. true. Is this helpful? Is this serving me? And then, you know, taking appropriate action from there. I think that whole piece is awareness, your awareness, awareness of yourself. It's more broad. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally makes sense. And I just love that you also create that <clears throat> that separation of like there's so much more to it and if you are sitting in that judgment, well, maybe that's not like there's more work to do on that awareness to get to the awareness, <laughs> if that makes yes, sense. Yes, because, and I think this sometimes gets missed in a lot of 
what we might what might feed I know it certainly feeds my um social media Instagram feeds is that this is easy like once you've got that awareness it's like oh okay I can see that I'm doing that and that came from here so I'm fixed I'm healed no what, way. We're, what we're talking about is, is is again this is the really zoomed out and I say this to my clients all of the time and I say it to myself it's another it's another post I've got in, in draft as well is what we're actually doing in that process is we're changing our brain. We're changing mm. pathways between neurons, neural connections and pathways that have been established a long time ago in our early, literally our early years to bring it full circle and then reinforced, reinforced, reinforced over many years. Mm. So I think it's, I know and I, I come back to this again when I'm stuck in things or something perpetually comes back up or I'm feeling really frustrated with myself that that process is happening, is that can help to lead to enable compassion and kindness to go because the reason why this is hard and why I'm drawn into this way of thinking or reacting or pattern again is because I'm changing my brain and that is a really big work. Yeah. And it's not going to happen overnight and the only way it happens is catching it and thinking about it and doing something maybe a a little bit differently to mm. what your uh, patterns are telling you to do or, or, or mm. not even telling you, um, in, in almost pulling you towards. Yeah, and it's that little step-by-step, step, right? Like yeah. we, change doesn't happen overnight and sometimes we have to change one thing to then lead us to that next thing yes. or that one pattern that will help us then address that next pattern because if we just yes. try to go all in, yes. well, you know, it, it, it just, it doesn't end up working because it doesn't become, it's not sustainable because there is so much more in between that needs to be addressed before we can get to that big thing. So it's, yeah. you know, I always talk about it's that those small steps that we keep calling small steps that yeah. are actually the biggest steps that we're taking, yes. which is yes. not seeing them as big. Yes. But if you don't get through that one small step, you don't get to the next step. And then you don't get to that big leap in the end, right? Yeah. And it's it is a continuous process that <clears throat> doesn't, you know, some days you're gonna feel so good about doing it, and other days it's gonna feel so fucking hard. Yeah. But it's the reality and acceptance, like you said, that what you're doing is actually really hard work and giving yourself that space and compassion to go, all right, yeah. you know, it, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. And we'll do that more readily if I use that, again, sort of connection or metaphor analogy with physical exercise. Mm -hmm. We sort of understand that if we haven't been doing it for a while and, like, I like to do body pump strength training classes. So if I I had two weeks off because I had a a medical thing, I couldn't do those classes. Then I did one this morning and Mm -hmm. I've given my, and I haven't done it for two weeks. So I knew it was going to be hard. And I had to take it, well, I intentionally took it a little bit easier because I have to build up again. Exactly. exactly. And so we, we give us often, I think, some, not always, not everybody, but often we'll give ourselves that understanding or grace when it comes to physical growth and development and that we can't, you know, just start and go and run a, mar- a marathon of 40 mm-hmm. Ks or whatever it is. We have to practice and build up, like you said, with those small steps. And it's exactly the same. It's actually more uh relevant to our mind because of the nature of our brain mm. and what the circuitry that we're trying to essentially grow new connections yeah yeah it's like you're growing new things in your brain yes 
yeah. takes time. It's yeah. like a seed. It takes time to, yeah. you know, to go through its process. It yeah. doesn't just sprout overnight. Yeah. I want to um, go back to the beginning of this adventurous spirit and you mentioned how we can often lose that um, through motherhood. What kind of adventure did you have in your life before motherhood? Well, that's what I'd sort of forgotten about, Jess. I hadn't even <laughs> sort of. Um... Until you had that wild night with your daughter, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. <laughs> I, when I look back on you it. And the it, crazy cool mum. <laughs> crazy cool mum. Um, to let her out more often. <laughs> um, and, you know, I didn't. I didn't conceptualise it as this at the time when I was doing things, but I guess the origins of that sort of adventurous spirit, they came from my childhood. So I, in, in, in hindsight, probably a little bit of an unconventional childhood um, with my family. I travelled around a lot of um, Queensland estate in Australia with my parents' work. So every couple of years we were moving to a new place from, and, and generally well, pretty much all the time and pretty real, um, certainly regional but often remote locations um so there's a lot of you know adventure that comes with that there's a lot of challenges that come with that too in terms of starting in new communities and building friendships and then moving on and all that sort of thing um but I think that's probably you know that's the origins of it and my parents they um both born here in Australia but they met when they were overseas in their very, very early 20s and they married overseas in that time very quickly, travelled Europe. So it always had that story in my mind. So I sort of really replicated that. I went to travelling by myself pretty much as soon as I finished school um, by myself for a while. And wow. that, I guess that sort of theme has always has been there. Um, yeah, I've just I've tried to. It's interesting. This is another thing I've been thinking about. A lot of people have often said to me through my life that, um some, some with a lot of kindness and other times other people, not with so much kindness. So I seem to do things the hard way. And and I, I think there is two sides to that. I do have a bit of that tendency and there is a bit of intergenerational aspect around that sort of struggle and feeling like I need to do things the hard way. But the yeah. other, I guess, more positive read of that is, for example, I'd been, um, I was living in London for a time, um, had a relationship breakdown, came back to Australia, was had most of my friends were in a, in another city to where I'd landed and my intention was to go there. That would have been the easy option, but it just mm. didn't feel right. And it wasn't anything about my friends. It was the city and a whole lot of things. Um, so I made the choice to go to Central Australia and, again, by myself took a job in um, Aboriginal community. Um, and, yes, that, there's no doubt that was hard and that was a, probably the harder thing to do than the easier, but... It wasn't Absolutely. about being hard. It was about, in a way, pushing myself, but about having experiences and, and I think also it comes having impact. Yeah. yeah, it comes back yeah. to those values of that connection, yeah. the yeah. impact and the adventure. Like yeah. essentially that's what you were going to, I imagine, be feeling like you were going to get out of yeah. going to Central Australia. Yeah, and I didn't know that. I hadn't been there before. I went out for the job interview, flew out, thought, oh, yeah, this seems really good. So I guess when I think about it now, it was more of an instinctual, intuitive thing that yeah. this feels like yeah. the right thing. I don't know exactly what it's going to bring, but I'm willing to, not only like willing, I want to see where ooh, see where it might go. Um, and I've done yeah. this. So things like that in, in 
<laughs> I love that you answered to that call, you know, because it was purely based on intuition, essentially. It was just purely mm. that. But it also says a lot about you, about really trying to create your life in the way that you wanted to do it. So rather than following the crowd and following your friends, it was like, but hang on a second, what do I want to do and what feels right for me? Um, and I know that there was from that moment, I understand there's so much more connection as well in terms of, you know, to your heritage and all of that. Yes. Do you want to give us a little snippet of that? And then we will wrap it up with how our connection happened to start. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And maybe you can tell that part of the story because I've been talking so Okay. Much. But you, you, you go with your connection. <laughs> um. So my full name is Sasha Petrovna Kovalenko. So the origins of that are through my my dad's, my, my paternal side of my family. So my dad's family um, are a combination of Russian and Ukrainian. Um, so and they my grand, grandparents were refugees after the Second World War, as were so many people in Australia and started here um, with nothing and no English and, and developed their lives. Um, uh, on my dad, uh, sorry, on my mum's side, uh, farming family from um, New South Wales, northern New South Wales, western New South Wales, and we had always known to be very sort of, you know, traditional Anglo sort of Saxon origins of Scottish and Irish and English. Um, but recently, like literally in the last, oh, I'm trying to think the time frame now, about last three years, um, we found out that we actually have Aboriginal connections on my mum's side to the Camilla Roy Nation, again, in that same region where my family are from. Um, and it's been a lot of, of work to try and establish, well, actually not really that hard, actually, to establish the family tree, but to understand what happened. That meant we had no knowledge about Aboriginal connections at all. And, again, that's not uncommon for many um, Aboriginal people in Australia, um, most likely hypothesis is my great-grandmother was um, part of stolen generation and certainly generations before her um, mm. and there was no real um, advantage to being connected to culture um, at that time in Australia so I think it's it was they very much sort of um, assimilated which was the the, the plan at the time um, in terms of the colonial impact um, so it was only that the Australian War Memorial were doing some tracking around Aboriginal soldiers, and um, black diggers as they're called, and my great-grandfather was identified as an, an Aboriginal man and his mum before him. So um, I that has been a, a, a very interesting journey for me because what I haven't talked a lot about, Jess, is the vast majority of my working life has been in Aboriginal communities in what we That's call right. social emotional wellbeing health and um, in 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 both Alice Springs in the Northern Territory, but here in Southeast Queensland as well, and I still I still do that work um, as part of my Which business. Which I feel is such a beautiful connection. Going back to that, you feeling drawn to going mm -hmm. to Central Australia, yeah. and I remember I actually heard you on another podcast talking yes. about this connection. Yes, um, that isn't necessarily a conversation that's popped up between you and I, but I knew that about you because I stalked you on another podcast. <laughs> Um, and I heard that a while ago and I was like, wow, how beautiful is just that, like it's almost like a full circle experience. Mm -hmm. That whole connection started um, from, you know, way back, but it was something you had not really no idea about. And some of when I've shared this, and I haven't shared this 
very widely with lots of people, um, to be honest, Jess, because it's it is a challenging, not challenging for me, but I I, I don't um, begin to say that I have lived the life of an Aboriginal person in Australia in terms of for the vast majority, the incredible disadvantage and discrimination and challenge that comes with being an, an, an Aboriginal community member in this country historically and, and continuing now. Um, now I've lost my train of thought about where I was, was going with that. Oh, that's right. But one of my colleagues at one of the agencies that I, uh, organisations that I work with now, when I shared this story, this Aboriginal um, elder um, said something to the effect of it's it's our old people or our spirits, our ancestors work in, you know, really powerful and mysterious ways. And I've, that's, that has really resonated with me. You know, there's so much about my profession, clinical psychology, that's so scientific and factually based. And But I know that there's obviously there's so much out there that we don't know and forces at play that we can't quantify or measure and that. Yeah. Yeah, that's another, I think, another way of describing that sort of full circle. Yeah, yeah definitely. Thank you for sharing that with us. Like it's just so beautiful to be able to see that, you know, I mean obviously from a very outsider's view, but just to see that whole connection and how it's just come to that moment. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that moment, mm-hmm. um, no, not that moment, but something connected to it, the, the time that you and I, met for the first no I don't know if it was the first time but yeah it was yeah yeah I think it was face to face yeah yeah face to face so we were both part of a mastermind and um and you did the uh welcome to country to open up our our retreat and um and there was just something like it, it it Honestly, the something was your story, the story behind how you came to be standing there to, you know, be doing the welcome to country and your connection to it. And I had never felt such a connection to something like that. Um, And I don't know, maybe that sounds very ignorant or very shallow on my behalf, but I guess I had never connected with it in that way. Like that day, I literally felt my body respond to it. And I just felt this instant connection to you. Um, and then obviously uh, participating with you throughout the um, without the throughout the retreat and just even though we didn't have too much like there was you know mm. pockets here and there uh, but that I always had this kind of I was just drawn to you mm. and then uh, uh, when we so just to let the you know listeners know basically at the end of the retreat we had to write a letter to somebody just pick one person um and was it to you just it's like you just wanted to write them something to leave them with a message wasn't it something along those lines I think so yeah and um anyway I didn't think twice I was just drawn to Sasha straight away so when we got up to say I was like okay well mine is for Sasha (laughs) and she was like oh and then all of a sudden she's like well, mine is for you, Jess. And I was like, oh. <laughs> we literally stood in front of the, the room reading our love letters to yes. each other. Well, it's exactly that. It was that they were exactly love letters. And we, in a sea of other people, yeah. we had a moment. <laughs> it was like, exactly. It was like this moment. Just It was almost, yeah, love letters to each other. I was bawling my eyes out. We both had the, that moment, like, you know, expressing our feelings and, um, it was just such a beautiful moment. And then it was like you realise, like, oh, that's right, all these people are watching us. 
Uh, but yeah, it was just so nice. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, it was definitely nice, and it was it, it will stand out as one of those moments in my life for sure. Just in terms yeah. of again that we can we both similarly felt the same way and hadn't articulated it. Again, it just speaks to that that other realm, I suppose, and connection. And that connection point. Yeah. yeah, exactly that connection point. Oh, Sasha, I've loved chatting with you and just getting that insight into your world and also, you know, um, you sharing with us the things, you know, your life and how you've come through business and how you continue to go through business and life in general. Uh, If people are interested in working with you, where can they find you? Um, Probably Instagram is the easiest. Uh, um, My handle I know we lost the word there for a minute is a doctor dot sasha s-a-s-c-h-a dot k for Kovalenko so it's probably the easiest place to go Jess and and um link to my website then and keep up to date with things that are evolving for me awesome if there was one thing you wanted to leave for the listeners what would that be no pressure. Like, yeah, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> I think there's so much, so much, and there's so many things that we can take from this yarn, I think, Jess, but particularly for the entrepreneurial woman in business, which is I think where we're really focusing, is that idea of just keep going, you know, and that doesn't mean persisting with something that's like you said, that when you, it's identifying what's right for you. But, no, I think there is so much power in us stepping into this entrepreneurial space in terms of making really big changes in the world. So keep hold of that and then just keep plotting away in your own time, um, filtering out the noise and other people and their progress and success and just keep chipping away. And I think we'll, we will all get there wherever that yeah. there is, but we will all get that freedom and flexibility that we're looking for. Yeah, we slowly start to chip away and create that, you know, build that house up and, you know, the house is never completely done, but we're always, you know, redecorating and adding and extending and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's got to start somewhere. And I guess what you're saying is that those early days can be quite challenging or any days can be quite challenging, but just keep going at it because what you can get from it is so much bigger. Yes, yes. for you and for those around you. So thank you so much, Sasha. I have loved chatting with you and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Jess. Amiga, I want to say gracias for hanging out with me today. I appreciate you and I'm so fucking grateful that you jumped on this podcast today. If you're loving what you're hearing, you know what to do. Share it with your biz bestie. Tell me your aha and light bulb moments and what you're loving in a review and subscribe because you know what together we create the ripple effects